said, I always wonder why somebody doesn't do something about it. And then I realised I was somebody. And then, so I've always wondered why we aren't monitoring the attacks. And then realising, oh, I think it has to be me. Welcome to Startup West, the podcast about startups here in sunny Western Australia. We talk to startups, entrepreneurs and innovators who have been there and done it, or are right here and doing it. My name is Brodie McCulloch. And I'm Danielle Cross. Before we start, we'd like to acknowledge that we record this podcast on the land of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation, and we pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. The Startup West podcast is brought to you by Startup News. Thanks for the support from sponsors Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, City of Perth, Dinner Twist and Tech On. And on this episode, we talk with Kate Lukowski of Neurotologics. Hi, Kate, and welcome to the Startup West podcast. Hi, Brody. Hi, Danelle. Hi. <laughs> uh, can you tell us about your startup and business, what it does and how it's all going? Right. So, so the company is called Neurotologics um, and we're a company that um, has made a remote patient monitor for vertigo and dizziness. Um, to explain the company a little bit, probably it's best to start at the beginning Mm. If that, that's probably the best way to, to, to explain what it does and, and why we did it. Um, it's always best to start at the beginning. So it was born out of clinical necessity. Um, mm. So we made this remote patient monitor out of, out of clinical necessity. So I'm an audiologist um, and I've worked in, in the public hospitals here in Perth, um, also private clinics. So I am a particular type of, I do a particular type of audiology called diagnostic audiology. So Audiologists, some do hearing aids and, and some do paediatrics and some do something called diagnostic audiology, which means we work with ENTs and neurologists, um, helping them diagnose conditions um, and they go on and do surgery and, and such. So so that's been um, a part of my career. It's only a small part. I've got various other things. But, um, but my interest within that, within diagnostic audiology, was vestibular testing. Mm-hmm. So the inner ear is got hearing, but we also have our balance functions in our inner ear. Mm. And so when people come in, often they have dizziness issues or, or vertigo, um, and then we have to try and test and figure out if that's coming from the inner ear. And during the course of, of this testing, and this testing in clinic is is not nice, right? It's, we, mm. it's time consuming. Mm. Um, it's it's um, we, we're trying to get to the bottom of why people are dizzy, but it's 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 not very pleasant for the for the patient, and often it doesn't yield the answers. And the reason it doesn't yield the answers is vertigo is ninety percent, ninety six percent episodic, right. which means that um, the symptoms happen. You know, when the patient's at home or mm. at work. Not and when they're being tested. No, and not when they're, they, yeah, they're, they're, they're in front of the doctor. Yeah. Um, and so and we can't, in some cases we can, but most cases we can't bring on the attack in the clinic. Right. And so we do all this quite nasty testing. <laughs> you know, we, we do make people dizzy and we do all sorts of things. Um, and at the end we have to say, look, we didn't find anything. At the moment you're normal. At the moment everything looks like it's fine. Mm. And the patients would say, but you should have seen me last Tuesday. Yeah. You should have seen me mm. a fortnight ago when I was throwing up in the yeah, bathroom. It's and debilitating. I, yeah, it's, it's mm. absolutely, you know. And, and so, you know, this, this frustration that we couldn't give answers 
Some clinics worldwide actually have people come in during an attack. They literally crawl in. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and, wow. but, but sometimes it's, you know, some attacks only last half an hour and it's very hard to see. So that's where it came from is mm. can we actually record this mm. diagnostic information at the time of the episode? Can we do it? And there's equipment in clinic, big $30,000 pieces of equipment we mm. do to re- record eye movements and other things. Can that be made mobile and can patients take it home? Can they do it themselves during an attack? Can they administer it? Can we get good quality? And also can we do it at a price? that the patient can take home. You know, mm. they, they mm. can't take home $5,000 worth of equipment. Um, can it be done that way? Mm. And so that's where it all stemmed from. And um, and very early in the piece, myself and um, Professor Ganesh Rajan, who's a professor in otolaryngology, so he's a, a surgeon and scientist as well, um, uh, we, we did a research project. And the very first things we wanted to see was can patients do this? Mm. Um, and that was done in Fremantle Hospital and Fiona Stanley Hospital, um, a project. We gave out um, one of our very first prototypes um, and and we were actually seeing, can patients do this? Is it feasible? Mm. Um, and that was way back and started in 2014, that trial. So mm. that was way, way long time ago. And um, Professor um, Rajan's been with the project ever since. So mm. he's helped found the company and 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 been with the project ever since. And that he, he's fantastic. Um so that's where it that's where it came from, and the very first clinical trial was was very um, it's kind of um, very very interesting. Um, it, it showed that yes, patients could do it, and um, and also the clinical evidence that we, that we were getting was so useful, um, mm. and it it threw up also a whole lot of issues around. Um, you know, in the whole system and things, um, and as well. So, you know, why why it possibly couldn't be feasible in a clinical setting. Um, but on the other side as well, there's something that we didn't expect that came out of the clinical trial, and that's the patients absolutely loved it. Right. And we're talking hugging me, crying, bursting to tears when they see it, they see their, their symptoms. And we didn't realise these patients have gone on quite a journey before they saw us. Right. And in doing some research on it, you know, we found out it's, it's on average four and a half specialist appointments before they even get a tentative diagnosis. Mm. Um, so they've been years trying mm. to find out, verbally describing their symptoms, not having, not having, mm. you know, a real idea yeah. go, and going through. And it's, we didn't, it's not only helping the diagnosis these patients didn't even have their symptoms validated. Mm. So they're verbally describing, oh, look, I'm getting dizzy. A lot of them are women, are older women. Mm-hmm. They're verbally describing, look, I'm getting dizzy I'm whatever, and going from specialist to specialist, not getting the answers they need. And suddenly we're saying, it's real, it's mm. happening to you, the doctors can see it. <laughs> and there's <laughs> and evidence yes, of it. Yes, yeah. yes. So, so one lady, you know, she jumped up and pointed at the screen of tears pouring down yeah. her face saying, that's what's happening to me. Right? Yeah. So, 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 and then we decided we had to do this. And we were very lucky. We got we got funding um, early, seed funding early, and then we could just hunker down. And all those little problems that we found um, in the clinical trial, I knew that we could overcome. There were a lot of them, um, and to make it feasible as a feasible product. Mm. So so um, so, and then by technology we could overcome them. Um, and so and so, and that's a lot of our IP as well. Is that how we got around? Some of, some of these problems. Um, and that's and that's how we started. <laughs> Amazing story. So Kate, just to 
just to um, recap the timeline, so you mentioned your first clinical trial was 2014. Yes, and it lasted quite a few years mm-hmm. because it moved, the, the ENT department moved within that. It right. We moved to Fiona Stanley. Yeah. We had to reapply for ethics. Um, and so and so it lasted about three, three and a half years, the actual mm. trial. Mm-hmm. So it, it went for some time. And that was your first clinical trial? Have you had another trial I since know then? I know we've or? done um, a lot of testing with norms. Um, mm-hmm. At the moment, we, we just started. Um, I'm reluctant to say it because I don't want to overwhelm. I'm not going to say who it is. But um, uh, uh, there's a doctor out there who's using it in clinical practice at the moment. We, we've got it through a special access scheme on the on the um, with the TGA. Um, and so we, that's what's happening at the moment. Terrific. So we got to just hunker down and actually build the system. Yeah. We built it completely. So um, we, we've it's kind of been clinically and technologically de-risked um, and, and now we've got it out there working. Um, and so, yeah, now we're gearing up to the, the final, getting it through the TGA yeah. and, and regulatory. And so you were sort of hunkering down for those... Yeah, over know, COVID. Over, well, over <laughs> COVID <laughs> years yeah. and, and before yeah. that by the sounds yeah, of it as yeah. well. So yeah. how did it feel to you and your team to start to when you sort of probably last year mm. um, come out and talk a bit more about, you know, I'm sure there's further validation in, in, in yes. what you're Yes, so that, yeah, no, doing. exactly. Um, we, we've kind of been, um, you know, closed doors a little bit because we didn't, we didn't need to. We just kind of went mm. hunkered down and, and and also it was during COVID. So, so we Good just time got to on do with it. it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> within WA, within its little, Bubble. Little, little island within its island. Yes. Yeah, um, and, and, um, and, so then, yeah, so uh, we we then realised we weren't visual at all. Um, w- one of the reasons we, we, we weren't getting some grants as well and one of the reasons behind that is we weren't visual. You know, no one we knew what you were no, doing. No, no, no. <laughs> we were kind of saying, look what we've said, but, we, you know, in grants it's very hard to. Of course. Um, and so then we decided to apply for some awards and things like that to show off a little bit um, mm. what we've done and then we, and then we won them and all. And you may have won a couple of <laughs> yeah, them, yeah, yeah. Brody, didn't they? Yes. Um, yes, WA Innovator of the Year last year. Congratulations, yes. Kate. Thank you. Thank you. That was great. Yeah, so the driver for entering the awards was to get that visibility to then... It it was. Also... um Medtech and WA is quite it's it's a small industry and there there's there's it a lot of people actually advise me that it's it's almost impossible to do. And I didn't believe that. And particularly with COVID when the borders were shut, mm. we couldn't leave anyway. But um but I'm I'm WA born and bred and wanted to do it in WA. And I'm very proud of the expertise that we found and we put together in our team. They, they were absolutely wonderful engineers and software developers and things like that. And we can do it. And we kind of wanted to show that off, that it can be done. And, we, you know, we wanted to show off what we've done because it, it is considered a hard industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, people say that Melbourne and, and maybe Sydney is the med tech kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and it can be done here. There's, there's you know, it, it's, not, it's not necessarily easy, but it can be done. And one of the things of Innovator of the Year is 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 showing other people as well. Correct. You know, it can be done. And also yep. it's like showing off that we've done it. <laughs> you well, know, it's, yeah. it's a wonderful thing to celebrate all the hard work yeah. of, of you and yeah. your team. And with the team particularly. And yeah. we use a lot of WA companies, mm-hmm. um, service providers and things like that, and also to acknowledge them 
Mm. Mm. So you know, we've had support from a company called Journey One, and they've got, you know they're they're with software and and an engineering company called Atamo, and they're actually looking to our, to help us with our manufacture, so we can actually not only develop it here, we can manufacture it here. Terrific. So that's um so so you know to to acknowledge those people as well that mm. that have helped us uh, and important. really helped us, you know. Mm. So, yeah. And what have been some of the challenges? So just mentioned a few there, yeah. But some of the challenges and also successes um, outside of Innovator of the Year that you've had today. Yeah, I I think the challenge is definitely within WA is to not have that that infrastructure and industry um, around med tech. So there's a few skills in med tech regarding quality management and regulatory and, and things like this that that are very very hard to find mm. in Australia, let alone WA. Mm. Um, and so that and and you know particularly when we're looking during COVID, you know. We, we, it is that that was a challenge. Um, also, there's no contract medical manufacturer here, so anyone who makes a product either has to set up the production line themselves. You can't you can't get a contract medical manufacturer, and we're actually trying to change that. Um, Atamo at the moment, who is our developers, are actually um, starting with us, and then and um, one or two other companies, Great. and actually trying to provide that service. So so. You know, it, it's to pioneer this a little bit. You know, it feels like it's it's helping myself and my company, but it's also helping hopefully those coming leaving a legacy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and and yeah. you know, it's and I'm um, I. The benefits of doing it in WA, it's not just I'm doing it because I'm just stubborn and want to do it here. There's a lot of benefits mm. to do it here. We have some some top engineers and software mm. developers. And I'm not just saying that. They are the top. You know, we deal a little bit with Europe and, and people there and they actually recognise it too. They've actually, in fact, said, do they want any more work? Mm. You know, yes. this kind of thing. <laughs> so, so, you know, we have the skills. Mm. It's just applying it to another industry. Mm. Um, and, and there's just a few things to do with standards and regulatory and, and things around that, that that have to be learned. But it, it's, it's that we can do it. And that's, uh, mm. I love that, that transferability yeah. of skill sets across different um, sectors. Um, what are you and the neurotologic team trying to achieve in the next, say, year and then perhaps the next three years? What are your plans? Yeah, so we're, I mean, we're trying to set up manufacturing at the moment. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing. You mm-hmm. know, last year was a bit about business development and such and, and getting a bit more visual. This year is about hunkering down, getting the product made, getting it through product testing, getting right. it through, you know, the, the, the all the regulatory required. Um, and, yeah, so... It's, it's a big job. Fabulous. <laughs> Nothing wait. insurmountable. We're, yeah, we're, we're quite excited about it. Yeah. yeah. Setting up local manufacturing is yeah, a, yeah. a big one. So. Yeah. Mm. So it's, um, it, it's, yeah, great. And you've mentioned a few other companies that you work with, like Journey One and Atamo. And mm-hmm. um, what other companies uh, from the WA startup scene have impressed you, or you know, that you're watching what they're doing? And it's yeah, yeah. Look, the the WA. Um, I I mainly hang around with the med tech people, right? Mm-hmm. So because they're they're my people, right? Because <laughs> the, and it's it's wonderful when you look at other founders. Um, there's there's no competition between us because we've all got separate products we're not we're not doing the same thing mm. um and we all look at each other we've kind of you know no one else could understand <laughs> what you know takes takes almost 10 years to get a med tech through mm. you have to champion it and you have to just it, there's there's highs and there's lows mm. um so we often go for a drink or do something like that and you know there's there's people um like vital trace and and um and vein tech and and people like that um and and they're great and I particularly i love it when i talk to like arjun from um, vital trace from um who are clinical founders as well um, mm. because you know the drive came from clinic 
Um, and so they're the people I get my energy from because they're in the same boat and I and they, you know, kind of, you know, I, I wonder sometimes, you know, are we delusional or are we, mm-hmm. are we just, you have to have a vision and you have to stick to it for 10 years. So, so you know, it, it's nice to talk to people like that. Mm-hmm. And we do have them in WA. And a shout out to the Startup West podcast sponsors. The Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. Can you take us back through your career, you know, your school days? Uh, where were you born? Was it in Perth, WA or elsewhere? <laughs> yeah, I was um, born in WA, uh, born in CB. Uh, um, and yeah, Grew up here in Perth, uh, d- typical childhood, you know, eating twisties and frosty fruits and <laughs> growing up in Perth. Um, actually, I, I, I've often reflected only in the last year or so because I'm, I'm often asked these kind of questions, which, which you never really kind of look back and consider what, what made you who you are. Um, and I, I actually possibly didn't have a normal childhood in a way <laughs> because my my father and I never really thought of this my father had a hearing loss and in audiology we call it severe hearing loss it's not profound so he didn't sign and things but had a severe mm-hmm. hearing loss but you would have never known it because he never ever complained and he wouldn't I mean I, I never even considered I lived with with a dad of a disability I just it, it, he didn't he didn't come across that at all mm. but he was also an audiologist so he he spent his life um, in my childhood um, with paediatric audiology, mm. and he was always quite a strong advocate um, of for the hearing impaired mm. um, because of his role and because of his lived mm. experience. Um, and so I kind of grew up with my dad listening to to the issues around mm. around that, and his his kind of. Um, he was always kind of um, fighting for those that don't have a voice and trying to get things changed mm. and, and things like this. And my mum's a nurse and she's also, my parents are actually the most caring people I know. Mm, right? So she's a nurse it. and she worked for like home health care. Mm. So even at Christmas she'd just say, I'm just going out because she'd know that there's a couple of people out there who didn't have anyone at Christmas and she'd just pop out to say hello so someone visited them. That kind of, that was my childhood mm. of these parents that were very caring. Mm. Um, and in my teenage years they kind of, cashed in a bit of their retirement savings and started a business, an audiology business. So I grew up with my mum on the front desk and my dad being an audiologist in a, in a company called Perth Audiology. Um, and I watched them struggle in the early days mm. of trying to make that work. Mm. Um, my my brother as well as an, is an audiologist. So, oh, wow. so the whole family yeah. became audiologists. My brother and I actually didn't purposely become mm. audiologists. We actually got a degree first um, and then we we later became audi- audiologists postgraduate. So, so um, we later became audiologists. But, the, but I've kind of continued the legacy of my dad of fighting for this mm. patient population. And only now in hindsight, I realised I've done that. But I've got different skills to my dad. So my first degree was computing and mathematics at mm-hmm. UWA um, and then and then I did audiology and I've actually subsequently gone back and, and did um, Masters of Population Health, so biostatistics and things around that. So I've always been involved with the technology and then I, I also I've got I've had quite an eclectic career <laughs> where I've worked in, in my uni days, I worked in software um, and then I went, I went my first real job coming out of audiology. I went to the UK and worked as a technical trainer in a large sales team mm. in a med tech company. So so I kind of had a lot of med tech experience. Mm. I was in buyer meetings for the NHS. I was, you know, at a very young age, got a 
ridiculous amount of responsibility. I was 23 when I started that job. Um, but I went into almost every audiology department within the NHS and private clinics and and realised I did I wasn't directly in the sales team. I was supporting them in in technology kind of training and such. So so I and and then when I came back to Perth, I did a lot of clinical management, uh, managed teams within public systems and all the private systems um, using all the experience I had from my parents. I knew how to run audiology businesses mm. and such. So and then I went. I was very very <laughs> as I said eclectic. Then I went into research after I came back from having children. Um, I went more into research um, and and um, did some more qualifications than that and then became an epidemiologist as well. Um, and so it's it's quite a broad range. Mm. It is, um, yeah. But every little bit of that experience has made this product mm. possible and, and also the experience of the other team. So having having um, my co-founder as a professor in, in otolaryngology also gives a different perspective and he's had research and management experience. So we know our industry incredibly well from all sides. From from my side, I've sold into it. I've managed people in it. I've been on the ground. So so technology side. The technology yep. side. So mm. so so I I realise there's a um, quote from um, I've only saw it in the last couple of weeks um, where where you realise um, and this is the quote from Lily Thompson Tomlin which is a comedian and she said I always wonder why somebody doesn't do something about it and then I realised I was somebody and then so I've always wondered why we aren't monitoring the attacks in in clinic you know in this and then realising. Oh, I think it has to be me. <laughs> I think my computer science, yeah. my, yeah, I'm, skills. I'm, I've got oh my, my data goodness. science as well because mm. um, my, my husband's actually an expert in machine learning and, and data science. And so it needed a combination and, and clinical management mm. of understanding with, with, with reimbursements and, mm. and money. Mm. So it, it actually, I, I, the, I just realised, oh, I think it might have to be me, mm. <laughs> you know, which is when a horrible that feeling. On you, that's so, yeah, frightening. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's almost like instead of wanting to be a med tech startup, it's almost like you, ha- you answered the call, mm-hmm. um, you know, mm-hmm. and you realised, well, hang on, I think I have the skills to do this. Mm. Um, um, and particularly that I've worked in a med tech company, um, a lot of people said, gosh, I didn't know what I got into. I knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, that's the, a big difference, the first actually. few weeks when we we got the very initial seed funding, I, I sat down and th- I knew it was a 10 year journey. Yeah. And my kids were were teenagers then, you know, they're, they're just starting high school. And I'm like, okay, I think they're old enough that I, I was. You knew to, what it was. I knew exactly how much strain it would be and, yeah. and, and how I'd have to champion it and mm. how I'd have to keep going and in, mm. in, in things. So, so important. So, yeah. To- What a wonderful reflection. I love that, um, you know, the carrying on the legacy from your parents. I'm I'm really interested in that entrepreneurial spirit, which seemed to me started perhaps watching your your parents um, build their business. But I guess you're – You've got an amazing skill set, and I think it, it is. You're right; it's probably not a normal skill set, yeah. that, but it has led you to this path. So I'm just wondering if you can reflect a bit on that. Yeah, it's it's fascinating actually. Spirit. Like in high school and things, uh, you know, I you wouldn't have picked me to be entrepreneurial. Mm. I, my my main job in high school, I think, was to go under the radar. Mm. I the only subject I was very very good at, you know, that that came naturally. I wasn't extremely, but it was maths. You know, it seemed to come naturally to me. I liked to problem solve, mm. um, and only 
only in my 20s I, I got more confidence, particularly in my job in the UK, of talking in front of people and, and you know, and, and actually having more confidence in my own abilities. Um, when I did computer science um, in the early 90s, I'm dating myself now, but <laughs> in the early 90s I worked for a shareware company. I don't know if you know what mm, that is, but that dates me, you know, yeah. three and a half inch and five yeah, and a quarter yeah. inch floppies. Mm. Yeah, so that dates me. But, um, but there was very few women in that mm. field and it was kind of um, still under engineering at UWA. And... Um, and, you know, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. Um, that's why I didn't go straight into programming. I went actually on to do audiology because I felt that that's probably suited me mm. more. So there's, you know, I, I, I didn't feel I was kind of, you know, um, the, the top of, of things. Audiology changed that. I When I got into audiology, I recognised that um, it's more... I enjoy doing things for other people. For others, so yeah. so I will have confidence myself because wow. it's needed mm. to make something happen. And I'm very, very project driven. And mm-hmm. I won't start a project unless I know it can be successful. So that there's, um, you know, I do a lot of homework in the beginning before I make the decision to do something. <laughs> so so in particular with med tech and such, um, in this in this kind of with this idea and and um in the fact that um, Professor Rajan was was also on board meant a lot um, to me. It, it validated it, um, mm-hmm. and that he was saying it's 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 a really good idea. Um, and, and but um, also knowing the industry, I didn't just say, "Oh, we can do it." The patients like it. I had to say, "How is it going to be feasible? Mm-hmm. Is it really something people need? Is it, is it going to?" Um, because it is designing something for med tech is not as a matter of making a clever device or finding something um, that the public think, yeah, that's needed. It has to fit into a very, very complex Complex system. system. Mm. Um, Mm. And a lot of people get to the end and say, oh, the doctors were threatened by it or didn't like it. And that's not the case at all. It just didn't fit into the system. Um, You know, it's it's kind of, if if something's kind of um, uh, meant meant to change, a lot of people take out the doctor, they say it's going to replace the doctor Mm. and Mm. that's never the case, Mm. right? It's never the Mm. case. And doctors aren't looking for more work. They just want things to make their lives easier. So you have to really understand where their pain points are. Yeah. Um, they're not. They're not mm. trying to find me. They've all got nine months waiting lists. Some of these yeah. specialists. Yeah. So it's a matter of of what would make their life easier, and how does the whole system, the mm. referral system, and the, the multidisciplinary, how does it all work, um, and and where would this fit? So I had I, I had to figure that out. Mm. Um, not just make a clever device and then try. Try and try to retro and things. Yeah, you know? retrofit I'm, it, I'm yeah. always fascinated when people pivot, and I'm like, "Why would you pivot? <laughs> you, know, you know, you make something for a specific mm. reason." Yeah. So, and so you've got that, as you mentioned, got that deep technical expertise, mm. and knew what you're getting to on that side of things. Was there anything um, from the entrepreneurial and business mm. side that you wish you knew when you started um, that would have helped you on your journey? Um, luckily, I've got now a team around me, so mm. so I'm. I'm uh, I don't ha- I don't have skills high skills in a lot of areas but I do know how to get people around me who do have those skills and I know enough to ask questions and to be able to direct because I have to know skills in all sorts of areas um, and so so uh, you know um, my husband's got an MBA and and um, one of the directors now on board has got an MBA as well mm. and worked in medtech before um, and so I listen to them I make sure the people I, I have a, around us the team the team there um, I, you know that they're, they're 
the skills of them and also how we all work together um, is important. So, 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 yeah, there's, there's that. And I don't know if I answered the question. No, no, you did. I think, I think the knowing what you're good at and then getting the skills around you uh, is an important thing. It's critical. Yeah, um, yeah. To, to have happen. So I think that's the, yeah, the, the key it, thing you were talking about. Yeah. It, it's, it's not an easy journey. Mm. This is, it's really mm. not an easy journey. And I was entrepreneur before I've started clinics, successfully mm. run clinics and sold them and, and, and you know, done things like that before. Um, but this is very different. Mm. Medtech is, it is normally, even if in startup, you know, you develop a product, you put it out there, you test it, you do all sorts of things. Medtech, you don't make a sale for 10 mm. years. Mm. You have to have absolute faith in what you're doing. Mm. And then only in 10 years does the actual real company start. Mm. It's, it's a, it's a um, very interesting Business because when you do clinical services, you, you have people coming in and you can you can look at what's happening mm. and you can say, well, hang on, we're making money there and not there and all sorts of things like this. But when you're doing red tech, you have to kind of project and and for for what's going to happen mm. to your industry in ten or twenty years, mm. um, and try and and fit it around that and have faith. You spend all this money. For something at the end, it's mm. it's a whole different concept. Mm. Yeah, and, regulation. And, yes. Yeah, technology and, change in the meantime as well. So. And I guess personally, for me, it's it's um, you know that that's risk. You know, when you're in a small business doing. Um, doing it's not as much risk because you're having income come in mm-hmm. um, and so you, you're working mm. it out and you're doing you, you're adjusting as you go this is a this is for all all medtech all medtech it's it's a level of risk because you're you're developing and designing uh, all the way through having faith mm. that it will it will be mm. um, and mm. so me grappling of that level of risk um, you know I've, I've made peace with it now but <laughs> that, that was the difference mm. as well so yeah um, you've just given us a terrific description, I guess, of, of you know, um, starting a med tech startup. But mm. what advice might you give other founders that might be in med tech or in, in other industries as well? Yeah. Um, I think this more applies to med tech, but, but, but yeah, it would be other industries, is know your industry. Mm. Know your industry. Don't assume... Well, you know, don't assume that it's needed or um, particularly med tech. Don't say, you know, you know, you know, we're going to do something and it's going to be great because it will do this. Know the industry yep. you're going into um, because one of the reasons that something might not have been done before is because it doesn't it, you know, it, it, yep. there's a reason, yep. right? And the reason's not technology or anything. It, it might be a reason. It might be regulatory. It might be reimbursement. It might be that that that's business just, model. Might be yeah, anything. it might yeah. be things that 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 have actually been tried before, but mm. haven't. And you, you it's, they're not out there because everyone's had the same idea, but it, it couldn't it couldn't fly for for various reasons. Yeah. So if you know the industry well, and if you don't know it well, talk to enough people and really listen, and yeah. don't dismiss them um, as in oh well that's because you'll lose money or because you're threatened by it or. Something you know, really listen to the mm. reasons that they 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 say you know something may or may not may not fly. Great yeah. advice, Kate. And finishing things off, we'll do our rapid quick fire round. Um, <laughs> so just ready? quick answers. First thing that comes to mind: um, What is the single most important factor that makes a successful startup? Um, I think it's going back to know your industry, but um, but perseverance as well. I mean, you you need everything needs a champion. You know, you need to. Somebody needs to champion it all the way through as well, um, and 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 a team. It's not just me, right? <laughs> I mean, not, but that, but it, it does need it needs that perseverance. It's a it's a med tech is a long game. 
If you were to wave your magic wand over the local Perth startup scene, what would you wish into being? Um, I think it would have been nice um, to have to have more of a med tech <laughs> industry here. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the current government's actually trying to change that. They've actually really um, been good and very supportive. Um, I know you had... Stephen Dawson, Minister Dawson, just in, um, but um, but they have been actually been good. They they recognising that the state needs to diversify, um, and so so very supportive of that. Mm. Um, so so yeah, that's. And who do you admire in the local tech scene? Could be a company or a person. Uh the the service providers that we that we work with. I I really I do really admire the people I work with. Um, uh, Atamo and Journey One. Um, they're they're. They've been, you know, they're they're like family now. You know, what I mean, they're kind of the, they're on my side, and they're 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 you know dealing with people. They're transparent and 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 they 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 want us to succeed. And because small startups, it's very often hard. You know, you get quotes from people, and they're they're large. They're, they're mm-hmm. quotes designed for big business, and so they need an understanding there. And so the the companies that we've dealt with have been great because they understand, you know, limited budgets and understand what we're trying to do and understand the, the drive as well. So, yeah. How can anyone listening help you? Ah, well, um, if you have an interest in vestibular, if you're, if you're out in, um, we, we are often looking for um, uh, consumers, I guess, patients or whatever, who, who want to help us with mm. um, our UX, the user experience and, and um, design and such like this and, you know, testing it out and giving us feedback, that's always handy. Um, and anyone else with an interest in vestibular um, uh, who, who, you know, reach out. I'm, right. I'm very friendly. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah. and, and last one, what do you do to uh, get away from it all, relax and refresh? Uh, I, I read books. I take my dog down to the beach. Um, we do have a family farm. It's not my farm. Family farm in Donnybrook. Just, just missed the fires. I grew up in Donnybrook. Oh, there we go. <laughs> just missed the fires <laughs> yes, recently. So we, yeah. luckily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very close. Um, and so we go down there, chill out. I've got my teenage kids. We often do stand-up paddleboarding and things like that. So, so you know, my kids are good fun to hang out with. Um, yeah, that's what I do. Fabulous. It's been terrific to chat to you, Kate. Uh, thank you so much for telling us about the neurotologic story. <laughs> um, and we congratulate you again for your WA Innovator of the Year win uh, in 2022. So thank you so much. Thanks, Danelle. Thank you, Brody. Yeah, thank, thank you, you very Kate. much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Also, thanks to our sponsors. Startup West podcast is produced by Startup News and is made possible by the support from Space Cubed, Curtin University, RSM, the City of Perth, Dinner Twist and TechOn. We record this podcast at the Rift Podcast Studios in beautiful downtown Perth, Western Australia. Don't forget to subscribe to Startup West on your favourite podcast platform so our latest episodes appear in your feed. And we'd really love to hear from you, so please leave a review.